He used to call it two, the three P's. Play, possession, and position. Football, the people say, what do you do? What are you doing to play? Hello and welcome to the Tactical Stand, the podcast that tactically analyzes the big football games which have taken place in the past week. My name is Ayush Roy, I'm your host and I'm joined by my two regular residents, Bhargav Gopal and Hari. It's great to have you guys back. Of course, Bhargav was missing last week for some odd reason, God knows. But it's great to have you both back as we uh, come to the end of a lot of domestic seasons, if not all the European domestic seasons. Um, We've had some very, very expected results, some very, very unexpected results. And before we move on to what's gone on in Europe, we'd like to say congratulations to Bhargav, uh, his team, of course, Manchester City, winning the Premier League. Congratulations. Uh, Congratulations to Hari. Not the best way, but your team still managed to find a way to finish in the top four on the final day of the season. Congratulations to Liverpool fans. Somehow ended third after the season they've had. Um, So yeah, essentially we're looking at three people here who are fans of clubs who are going to be in a European final. Um, At least one, if not two, can lose. Let's be very honest. But uh, all three teams we follow have secure Champions League football again. So, well done, well done. But we talk about England and now I just mentioned Manchester City, Manchester United, Liverpool and Chelsea have qualified for the Champions League. Leicester, uh, West Ham. Fantastic, fantastic news for West Ham qualifying for the Europa League. And um, Tottenham have qualified for the new Europa Conference League, which is going to be very interesting because a certain manager called Jose Mourinho's side is also going to be in that same competition. But let's stop talking about England as we start off with the European roundup with Bhargav. Bhargav, what's going on in the other countries in Europe? Well, uh, yeah, to all the listeners listening, I mean, Ayush has obviously chipped in with the most important league's results. That is the English Premier League. Quite a frenetic uh, weekend, actually. I mean, to be very specific, quite a frenetic Sunday because... You know, the gold rush had three different matches. Obviously, the, the, the clubs competing for the Champions League uh, spots had to, you know, face, uh, you know, their, their respective rivals. And what games it turned out to be, of course, Liverpool comfortable in the end. United, United's, you know, secondary team, if I may call it, second string team managing to get a 2-1 result. But all eyes were obviously on the Leicester versus Tottenham match and whether, you know, uh, the Foxes could avoid second season running of, you know, that bottling form, as they like to call it, in terms of qualifying for the Champions League. But it turned out to be true, unfortunately, because, you know, Spurs managed to win 4-2 on the evening, which meant that Leicester will now play in the Europa League. Elsewhere in Spain, uh, as we move forward to La Liga, a freshness in terms of the champion over there, because Atletico Madrid managed to win their game 2-1 against Real Valladolid. And uh, even though Real Madrid were able to secure victory against Villarreal, it was not enough and they got the better of their white rivals. Uh, Barca ended up third 
Sevilla securing fourth, which was, you know, obviously after last weekend, it seemed a little more destined. But these will be the four clubs in the Champions League next season for Spain. Uh, moving to Italy, uh, it was again a frenetic, uh, you know, Sunday for 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 the Italian clubs because Juventus were essentially on the brink of, you know, exiting the Champions League spots. Had AC Milan and Napoli secured both secured victories. Milan, of course, you know, stood up to the task. They effectively ended up the season in second after, you know, Frank Kessie's incredible penalty double, which gave them the win over Atlanta. But Napoli were not able to secure their win against Hellas Verona, which meant that Juventus, who smashed a victory with 4-1 on the night, were able to go through in fourth place. Of course, that there were repercussions for Napoli manager Gennaro Gattuso, who has left the club after failing to secure the top European competition football. In the Bundesliga, everything was very much straightforward after last weekend's result. Erling Haaland, obviously, now that he has Champions League football with Dortmund, would be an, uh, uh, you know, a difficult prospect to prize away from you know, BBB, considering that uh, you know, there were talks surrounding his you know, departure away from the club should you know, uh, Dortmund not secure European football. But that has now been sealed. But another interesting aspect in Bundesliga is Union Berlin, who were promoted this season, were able to scale up the mighty you know, positions and they have now secured European competition. They will be playing you know, in the Europa Conference League, at least you know, in the qualifying stage. So it's definitely a tremendous achievement to them. Uh, finally, in League One in, 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 the, in the country of France, we saw a new winner. Uh, you know, the dominance of PSG has now been stopped in tremendous fashion. All credits to Christopher Galtier, who is incidentally going to be leaving Lille after the conclusion of the season. And he will now be joining OGC Nice as their, uh, nice as their new manager. But again, PSG have a lot to think. Both management and players have to come through. Especially Neymar and Mbappe would not have been happy with those results, not winning the French title, which they're expected to do every season. But the big news, of course, is, you know, Lille, uh, you know, going on against all odds, securing uh, Champions League football, but of course, winning the league title. Thank you so much for that, Bhargav. I was actually just going through some of the Lille trophy celebrations and the fans apparently going mad at the airport and uh, the whole parade. And it's it's great. As, as me and Hari have mentioned in earlier podcasts, we do love an underdog story at the end of the day. And uh, while we both wanted... Juventus to not uh, finish in the um, Champions League spot, which they did, unfortunately. But we did want Lille to win the uh, league, which they did. So, congratulations to them. And thank you so much, Bhargav. You've brilliantly explained what's gone on yeah, in yeah. Europe. True. And, and just a note on that, you know, it was so close with Napoli as well. Because it was, it was a draw on the night mm. and it wasn't a loss. Had, you know, it been even one more goal, Napoli winning 2-1 on the evening would have done the job. But, of course, you know, results didn't go their way. A draw it was and, you know, that would have been the perfect piece in terms of a domestic football season across Europe, not just in England where the action usually happens. But across Europe, it was sentimental, it was emotional, it was craziness, you know, across the 38 game weeks. And rightly so, the, the winners came out on top for all their efforts through the campaign. So, but for all the... Uh... You know, hype of Juventus finishing out of the top four being a possibility. They were in the Europa League position for just eight minutes. That was the sad part for all the neutrals, I would say. 
but coming back to the league one i felt that one thing which uh, sadly did not work out for pochettino is that even after joining psg uh, he could not win the league this time so uh, there surely be some questions around that yep two domestic trophies though not the league but he did win two domestic trophies so that's obviously better <laughs> than yeah. what he achieved at his former. I missed club. the league by one point. Yep, just just, just the one, one point. point. Yeah. So I mean, there's still he's not going. I don't think he's going to be sacked or losing his job anytime soon. But definite question marks when a team like PSG and especially with the m- amount of money they have spent to not be close to the final of the Champions League and to have not won the league, there could be repercussions. I don't expect them to be, but well, you can never say with the present day football. With that, we move on to our next section, which is something we're going to do very differently from our normal episodes. Of course, this is episode twenty-seven, so we're finally doing something different after all these episodes. Uh, thank you to all the listeners who've listened to all twenty-six religiously. But this time around, instead of tactically ana- analyzing games which have taken place, we're going to try and tactically analyze games which are going to take place because we have. two extremely big european finals coming up in the next week um of course the europa final between manchester united and villarreal will take place on wednesday the 26th of may um united obviously favorites but you can't ever count out an unai emery side in a europa league final reaching it three times with sevilla and once with arsenal even though he did lose the final with arsenal um and then of course we have the big one on saturday uh between two english sides manchester city and chelsea of course hari and bhargav support the two clubs respectively um a big game for both the two individuals here on the podcast as well as the two sides of course city it's the first time they've reached the champions league final in their history chelsea of course um have reached the champions league final before uh winning it the last time they played it in 2012 of course they lost to a certain manchester united the time before that uh when they reached the champions league final a certain captain slipped if harry remembers correctly but uh jokes aside uh, a big champions league final between two english sides chelsea have surprisingly had the upper hand in the last two fixtures between the two sides the fa cup semi final and in the premier league Let's start with the team that lost both despite being Premier League champions and Carabao Cup champions going for a treble for the first time in their career. As I know they've had the domestic treble but this is a bigger treble obviously with re- with respect with what you know is going on and what it counts for. Pargov we look at this game and we've seen the two games that um City have lost and obviously Pep's tried a lot of things in those games. Where do you think the match can actually be won or lost, uh, considering the two defeats you've had before against this side? Initial thoughts, wise, uh, because there's obviously a broad category that you know we will need to dissect in. But you know, initially, off the back of the two head-to-head, you know, clashes that have taken place, uh, my focus immediately goes to you know uh, two considerable aspects. The first one being uh, you know personnel. playing the strongest team uh in in the big final now obviously there's there's not a lot of emphasis when it comes to such big finals uh in our previous exchanges and conversations we have talked about you know whichever side turns up 
with the right amount of you know the right kind of mentality will eventually take the cup on the day and you know in the history of the competition we have seen that on paper quality and you know momentum and form of any kind can always you know be upset by a more determined team even if they are not you know tactically polished on on the day and that is one of the reasons why even with a you know strong city first 11 you would you wouldn't expect them to be you know beating chelsea 3-0 4-0 or 5-1 by their considerable standards uh, i think you know I know, i'm expecting it to be a close game uh, an encounter which will move uh, involve a lot of chess pieces being moved around between you know pep and tuchel they are going to go blow for blow uh you know see where where is that one opportunity or you know a couple of opportunities that you can generate on the weaker side of things having assessed this run of form from you know both clubs uh you know chelsea obviously having to work for the results up until the very last game day even losing the cup final against leicester the fa cup final so somewhere that would you know uh impact and factor in into the men- mental side of things but uh that being said that the second aspect is you know identifying the tactical plans in terms of you know the channels uh, of 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 you know the way chelsea are going to set up now my personal opinion is that as a fan uh, i've observed that you know we've often gotten beat uh from the from the right hand side of the you know the channel our defensive channel because if you remember the fa cup final lot of work you know courtesy of chelsea in timo werner and hakim ziyech was being generated on their left which is basically you know where cancelo was playing on the day and you know they they managed to create a goal from there so the overload dependent on you know where city are creating tuchel might want to exploit the other way around you know which is which is where there is a lot of space and you know less of a defensive compactness so from that regard i think that you know that is certainly going to be thinking about what is it that i need to do differently based on of course these last five games as well as ever since you know tuchel has take, taken charge of the club and he's going to be watching footage and data doing data analysis from the time tuchel has taken over and identifying that with the same set of personnel which side is going to be you know uh, opening up a lot of gaps and accordingly his own playing selection will also factor into the decision. So I think it's going to be a very interesting game. Uh, of course you know these are my initial thoughts that I'm offering but Chelsea not having faced the fully fit uh, you know the strongest city 11 yet in both these games might have you know something to think about and conversely Pep and City are going to be busy focusing on the gaps and the weaknesses that Chelsea have put up in these last few matches. I'm going to continue on that exact last point and say that Chelsea's form ever since they beat City in the Premier League has been quite poor. We of course had the defeat to Arsenal and the defeat to Leicester which we hurry talked about extensively in last week's episode. Um they of course did beat Leicester quite well um in the Premier League soon after that, but then they lost on the final day to Aston Villa 2-1. Um When we talk about Chelsea's problems I think there is very uh there well there's one very known problem which we've discussed quite a bit uh which is the striker problem but where do you think that Chelsea 
uh, need to change or how can they adapt to make sure that it's a good game when City very well know where the main problem is, if that makes sense? Yeah, uh, so initially, uh, I'll talk about where City can cause problems first. Sure. Uh, So, uh, in my opinion, uh, the the basic problem that Chelsea are having right now is the fitness surrounding Kante for the final. Can make a big difference. Uh, Yeah, so that could become a big point. So, though my initial thoughts are that he may play the final, uh, some fitness here or there will obviously matter and I feel that City's midfield is strong enough, especially with De Bruyne, Kundogan, uh, I've been in such good form. So, I think that uh, that is one area where Chelsea have to be alert. But which I feel is uh, uh, Foden. Foden and Maras have been in great form actually in the Champions League. And uh, given that this is a back three versus a potential back four, though Pep did try his back three in the Premier League match at Etihad, I personally feel that he'll turn up with the back four and not uh, complicate things for his side. Uh, so, there is always a chance that the wingers can exploit the space when it's uh, happening. Because it's always a question of whether the uh, pl- uh, players who are there on the field are able to compensate for the space that the wingbacks uh, and, and support the wingbacks. I mean. So, given that it's a, a Chelsea is playing with a bad three, then always uh, City can have that extra player you know, come in to picture. So, I feel that these two areas are uh, really important, at least from Chelsea's perspective. However, uh, given that City are filled with quality players, they can have that impact on from any part of the field. So now, but coming back to Chelsea's point, uh, well, uh, the, I can only say that with respect to this uh, striker's problem, the only thing which I can uh, see solving it is that uh, Werner should not be the central striker in my opinion. Uh, the chief reason why I am saying this is uh, that somehow, some way or the other, uh, things have not worked in his favor. And uh, I feel that Havertz should be the central focal point with Werner playing on the left and perhaps Mount uh, featuring on the right. And then, you know, Pulisic can come into picture or ZH can come later on in the game. But this is what I actually feel. And... Uh, Given that, uh, as for the finishing of chances, I'm uh, pretty sure that Chelsea will get their chances at some point of time in the game. But uh, their track record recently has not been that good. And I feel that not taking the chances will be Chelsea's problem in the final. And given that uh, it cannot be solved overnight, I do not have much expectations in that department. So... Let's see how it goes because uh, the game against uh, City, especially when they won at Etihad, uh, they took their chances well and that's where they were able to win. Uh, the other games that, that Chelsea have lost, they've had enough of chances and they should have won if they, had, they were even half as clinical as that game. But that has not happened and we know that uh, uh, being clinical could work on one day, but uh, for this Chelsea side, it cannot be a regular process because uh, it has simply not worked. So, yeah, I'm, I feel that it's more of, you know, uh, it cannot be solved overnight and it takes time to uh, work out eventually for Chelsea. Well, if you want to pick one day and one match to actually be clinical, what better than a Champions League final, right? 
um but now i move to points which you guys discussed and you guys when trying to tactically analyze where it could go right and wrong you mentioned that part of the pitch is very important and stuff bhargav i'll start with you because you talk first you talked about the right side of chelsea's attack with warner and zh causing a problem now if i look at a city starting lineup and most importantly the city starting lineup which we all think is going to start unless pep decides to try something different while we don't expect that to happen you never know with pep guardiola but say he starts off with the formation that we all expect him to you know a 433 essentially um what do you think is going to happen on your left side do you think it's going to be a a Kyle Walker on the i think Kyle Walker is expected to start at right back over Cancelo but then knowing how chelsea did impact and did do well on that right hands on their right hand side would you expect zinchenko to start on the left alongside ruben diaz in the center or do you see cancelo playing there and moving into the midfield a job he has done pretty well at times this season that's a pretty interesting question actually i mean uh, of late the the trust has certainly been on zinchenko uh, we know that you know cancelo being the first team member uh, and obviously the, the prowess that he brings in terms of you know converting himself into an attacker Uh, as we did see in recently in the game against Newcastle, where he, you know, struck the drive as as if he was a left winger, and suddenly it seemed to you know, surprise us all. So he is definitely capable of that. But considering it's a big final, and uh, I sort of personally felt that you know Pep wanted to see how Zinchenko played against uh, us, you know, star-studded Paris Saint-Germain lineup in the semi-final. Uh, one because of the stakes that it had, and two because of the quality of the opponent. so that he could make out a simulation in terms of whether zinchenko was really ready to carry out the instructions as an inverted fullback see what has happened with city in recent times is that although they start off with a back four on paper we all know too well that guardiola is a person who instructs his side to immediately transit their formation from minute number 1 when they start playing on the pitch so it does not remain a back four at all you know at at many points of the pitch because the tactical renovations that he has taken forward this season particularly especially after juan malillo's appointment as assistant manager as well as his adaptability after the poor string of results in the first half of the season the second half particularly where there has been a resurgence is that he's he's either wanted them to create attacking transition phases with the back three making sure that one of the full backs which is most probably cancelo or zinchenko stepping into the midfield and letting Kyle Walker become the third center back alongside the natural center backs of Diaz and Stones so you have Walker playing as a right center back Diaz in the linchpin in the middle Stones at the other end of the uh, at the field but you have Zinchenko instead of going out on the left hand side more often tucking alongside the defensive midfielder so you are essentially creating a 3232 overload and you want to counter the two strikers of chelsea whoever they may be whether that's a werner pulisic combination a werner kai havertz uh, you know uh, combination a pulisic havertz combination however that may happen but essentially what he wants to do is to block the counters through the midfield which is something that chelsea managed to execute very well against their games in against real madrid so stopping that counter through the middle ensures that you need a backbone in the defensive midfield and the defense to stop the counter from either channel 
So even if the wing backs are able to come forward, you have wingers that are already tracking back, and you have five defenders, inclusive of the defensive midfielder, as well as you know whoever is able to help out, whether that's De Bruyne, Gundogan, Mares. That's always going to be a bonus. But all points of time, he wants to attack with the back three and defend with the back five. So that is where Zinchenko gets the nod over Cancelo, simply because. Even if his attacking play isn't very efficient, very classy and stylish, as does Cancelo in terms of goals and assists, what we need in the final is efficiency. And Zinchenko, having experienced playing in midfield for Ukraine, has that knowledge of when to you know step into the middle of the park and when to get back playing at left back, which is his natural position. So in terms of protecting the left, Foden, who who was essentially started as a midfielder but now plays on the flank. Is helping out Zinchenko in terms of the tracking back. So you have your left covered with Diaz, Zinchenko, uh, you know uh, Fernandinho as well as Foden. So you have an all-round place to protect the left-hand side of the pitch. And uh, just a yes or no: Do we we don't see a striker playing in the final for City? So are we going uh, Foden, Mares, and Bernardo Silva as a front three again? I mean, I don't know. After Aguero's brace, you—I <laughs> <laughs> won't be surprised if he does start the final. But yeah, I mean, uh, having contemplated all the options, why you know stick? Uh, I mean, why why twist when you start with a formation that has worked well for you? So I expect the team to start with a false nine with De Bruyne up front. Lovely. And then we move to Chelsea, where Harry, when you were explaining where Chelsea go wrong, you obviously mentioned the strike position. You said that you don't want. Timo Werner to be the leading striker. However, recent games suggest he will be the leading striker. So, Chelsea, of course, under Thomas Tuchel, play a five-two-two-one. If that makes sense, uh, two holding midfielders. Of course, you mentioned the importance of Kante. If he's fit, he'll start there with either Jorginho or Kovacic, or it'll be Jorginho and Kovacic if Kante miss out. I think with the back five, it's Rudiger's definitely going to start. Thiago Silva is going to start. Chilwell is going to start left wing back, and then you've got the two options there between Christensen if fit, Rhys James has played, and a back three recently as Pelicueta has been playing right wing back. But my question is on the front three. I think Mason Mount's obviously a definite starter in that in one of those front three positions. But Harry, who do you think is going to start, or who do you think Thomas Tuchel is going to go with as the other two starting members up front alongside Mason Mount? Uh, I feel that he'll uh, stick to that side which played against Real Madrid at Stamford Bridge. Okay. Uh, because the side played very well on the day, and uh, it was more of uh, Kai Havertz also was not uh, starting in the. So game just to confirm, that you're first. saying you're saying the front three is going to be Mason Mount, Kai Havertz, and Timo Werner. Yes, I do personally feel that for the same okay. simple reason that Havertz was able to. Uh, you know, have a good impact though. He didn't score on the day. He did have some good chances, and he hit. He struck the crossbar twice on the day. He did. He did. And with respect to finishing, uh, yeah, uh, Werner is definitely needed in the game, no doubt, because his runs which open up spaces for the team, and he also has a good number of assists, even if he does not have a good scoring record. Mm-hmm. So that is really important. And uh, Kai Edwards does seem to have that uh, finishing touch, I believe, and that. I, I personally feel that this will be the front three. Uh, the other uh, question whether uh, Christensen is going to start, I personally feel yes, he will start because he was on the bench for the game against uh, Aston Villa. Yes. And uh, actually, uh, so it is not a coincidence 
the drop in form for chelsea began when christensen got injured in that game against mm-hmm. manchester city his importance could not be uh, you know further more than clear because i feel that uh, when james comes into the side uh, some, somewhere or the other the side loses some of the effectiveness when it comes to defense uh, whereas aspilicueta on the wing back is uh, you know he though he is definitely a leader and he does understand the scenario as to you know when he has to uh, uh, be a part of the defense or when he has to move ahead and you know and his crosses are good as well no doubt james is an excellent crosser of the ball but uh, in a champions league final uh, it's the experience that counts and i feel that uh, aspilicueta should be the right wing back in this game with chilwell as you said and the back three i feel christensen would be the third player and with respect to the midfield uh, jorginho has not done that well actually recently he was not as good in the uh, fa cup final as well nor in the game against arsenal we all know that costly mistake but in, other than that as well there have been some uh, uh, instances where uh, he has not tracked back or he was left isolated or he was not able to read the situations of the to which they were goal scoring situations which did end up in the back of the net on quite a few occasions as well so i personally feel that kante and kovacic should be the two midfielders however uh, you know uh, as uh, we discussed some time back a huge question mark over his fitness so let's see but yeah i have just like i said uh, my this is my front three and uh, purisic should definitely i think uh, be a player who has some contribution from the bench Mm, I was actually interested when you said Kai Havertz over Pulisic because I thought Pulisic is somebody who, of course, you like as a player, but the fact that he was not going, you didn't think he was going to start, was kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, guys. I think that was good analysis on both your respective teams who are playing in the Champions League final. Uh, you guys still have question marks about who's going to start, who's not going to, which is which is more interesting, even though your clubs have been successful this season. the fact that you expect a starting 11 but you don't know whether that 11 is going to take place you still have a couple of question marks over a couple of places is very interesting and uh, i'll wish you from now all the best for the final and we're definitely going to be back at this time analyzing it next week but now we move you're going to have you're going to have one disappointed chap next week that's that's around the least at least at least one disappointed yeah this is excluding of course the the host that is ayush roy <laughs> and, and with that, we move to the second uh, final, which involves my team, uh, the Europa League, uh, a tournament which I'll be very honest, I didn't want my club to be a part of. But at the end of the day, when you're part of when you're part of a tournament like this, the goal should be to win it, especially with the players United currently have. And in retrospect, they have done pretty well this season. You know, you talk about the way they beat Real Sociedad four nil in the first leg, and then. comfortably beating granada yes ac milan was tough in between but then thrashing roma 6-2 was good enough and took us into the final even though we lost the second leg uh, let's talk about villarreal first bhargav and i th- i think you've done a bit of research into onay emery and his antics especially in the europa league i remember watching the game against arsenal and i noticed a couple of things but let's start with you where do you think onay emery knowing his prowess with sevilla in this league and of course what he did with arsenal i think over the top but he did have a good 
20 plus game unbeaten run in his first season. Where do you think he could trouble uh, this United side? I think first things first, what's interesting about this uh, Villarreal side in you know my limited knowledge following them this season is the fact that um, first off, they play with the 4-4-2 because they do have you know two quality strikers. Uh, you know, of course, Gerard Moreno is one one starter by himself. He's obviously going to be playing a big part for Spain in the Euros as well. So he's an automatic fixture in that lineup. But what's interesting is you know considering Carlos Barca's you know recent form. And, you know, uh, the fact that Paco Alcacer is also in the squad. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, Emery has two different options in terms of whether he prefers, you know, Baka to do that hold-up play because he's very good at, you know, linking up with Gerard Moreno and letting Moreno take the trigger in, you know, the, the important shots and in terms of his activity in the box. What's uh, also interesting is the dynamism of that midfield. So... Uh, Villarreal's midfield, you know, it, it, it composes of some good names, names that we have heard before. You know, they've, they've got uh, uh, Parejo, they've, they've got, you know, Etienne Capu, they've got, you know, Manu Trigueros. So these are names that are not necessarily maybe the most energetic, the most, most pacey of midfields, but it, they have, you know, a tactical acumen. They are experienced, having played for a lot of football in, a, in, in their careers. So they're all 28, 29, 30-year-olds operating in the primes of their careers. So, you know, th there are, you know, a couple of strengths. And in addition to that, Pau Torres has been, you know, a, a standout for the Villarreal defense. And, you know, him, you know, you know, uh, operating alongside, you know, the likes of, you know, Rao Albiol sometimes when he's fit. And, you know, obviously Mario Gaspar is, you know, captaining that side. So there is uh, a bit of experience in that defense as well alongside a very, you know, prime midfield of, you know, a, a mixture of names. So there are areas, Villarreal is a very balanced side when you look at it. But what's going to be important to see is that, you know, this is, they've not been in a Europa final before, uh, you know, and mentality counts for a lot in such games. Uh, not saying that this current United side have necessarily that experience, but they do have quality professionals as well as strong-willed professionals in terms of the mental side of things. So, on the day, on the day, it's important to see that whether Emery can translate his quality. Emery himself is going to be the most important signing in this match. Let's not forget because he is a manager that has delivered Europa League titles and been in finals before, but. The, the drawback or the constraint in this in this you know fixture is that he is going to be limited to the touchline. He obviously cannot go on to the pitch and you know influence results. He's only going to be able to control whatever resources he has. Ultimately, the resources have to produce the result. And looking at you know the quality at both ends, I feel that Villarreal do have enough strength. After all, they've made the final for a particular reason. They've beaten some very reasonable sides along the way. But this is going to be their biggest asset test and just need to see if all the departments are able to click one final time and, you know, land them uh, a trophy on the, on the day. One more thing which actually uh, is a surprising factor is that this Villarreal side on paper is actually a lot like this Manchester United side as well. Because United play Pogba, uh, a midfielder on the wings. Sometimes Trigoras also ends up playing on the wings for Villarreal. And uh, they have one player who is the leading goal scorer and the leading assist uh, maker in Moreno. United have that for Bruno Fernandes. And then again, they have a good uh, 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 experienced player in uh, 
Gaspar, and on the other side we have Aravind Visaka, who though does not have that experience, is someone who is considered to be very good in especially one-on-one battles when it comes to playing the opponents. And in addition, uh, we can also say that, uh, like uh, how uh, Bargo uh, clearly summarized, that both of them, though are having quality in their side, have not played a final of this important recent times. Though we can definitely attest to the fact that Mourinho did end up winning the Europa League with uh, this squad, uh, I think that uh, the spine of this side has changed now. And it's almost, you can say, that uh, most of the players are not are new to this side. And uh, I also, one more thing which uh, we forget is Baka was with uh, Emery when uh, Sevilla did win the Europa League in 2016 or 17, I guess. Yeah, yes, in one of those years. So, he, he was there in the final where they beat Nipro. He had a brace in the final as well. So, definitely he could have his uh, experience. And again, uh, Emery is definitely a Europa League specialist. There is no doubt about that. But given the amount of quality that United have and the way in which they have been able to uh, you know, take this Europa League by storm, at least uh, in if you see the current uh, their run-in, they were able to easily dispatch uh, uh, Real Sociedad, Granada, that is a La Liga side, then um, uh, Italian in Milan, then uh, then Granada, then again uh, Roma, again an Italian side, and now again you are having a Spanish side. So, you could end up winning three Spanish sides. And, and that would be brilliant if that does happen, obviously. And I now look to uh, the players who will be unavailable. Of course... Uh, while recording the podcast, we received information that Harry Maguire has taken the flight to Gdansk, but um, there's still question marks over whether he would be available. I think we both, before the recording started, said that it's all down to a late fitness test, but we all kind of expect him to start. But with Villarreal, and there's very important players, um, Yuan Foyt from uh, Tottenham on loan at Villarreal was actually playing right back ahead of Mario Gaspar, and he did play in the first leg against Arsenal, where he did impress. Uh, got injured in that game, hasn't returned from injury since. And another player who was playing right wing, called Chukwezi, was really, really impressive in that game as well. I remember watching it and seeing him impress. So they've changed their whole right side, essentially, because of injuries in the last couple of weeks. And it's not expected that both of them will be fit for the Europa League final. And so you're going to go with a player called Jeremy Pino, who scored on the final day of the season against Real Madrid, even though they lost 2-1. And of course, Mario Gaspar, their captain, is going to start. So I think that right side could be very, very important. And considering what United's left side is going to be and what they're going to be up against, you talk about Luke Shaw having the best season of his career, easily uh, a nominee for... Uh, the Premier League player of the sea, uh, well, Premier League team of the year, good nominee to be there. And of course, Paul Pogba, as you mentioned, Hari, playing on the wing, going to play on the left hand side. We all know what Paul Pogba can do on his day, irrespective of wherever he's playing. And he's done well from the left hand side moving in. So I think that side of the pitch could be a big, big plus point for United and not so much for Villarreal. But another point which I come to, and that comes to Harry Maguire being injured, is that front two which both of you mentioned. Uh, front two of Baka and Gerard Moreno. We've seen United concede a lot of goals 
in the last couple of months. And, and to be fair, I don't even remember the last time United actually kept a clean sheet because they conceded five goals in two legs against AS Roma in the semi-finals, even though they did score eight goals. Um, and I think the last one, in, they, scored, they got a 2-0 two, win over Granada, um, which is maybe the last clean sheet they've got in all competitions, and that includes the Premier League. So you do expect United to concede one, and having two centre-forwards who play very differently up against Lindelof and plus-minus Harry Maguire, it could be Eric Bailly or Axel Tuanzebe, that can be a definite problem for the likes of the two centre-defenders and Ferran McTominay if they start. But well, um, as, as you mentioned, there's, for me, there's a lot of confidence with the quality of the side, but there's also a big question marks over whether they have enough bottle, which is something, Bhargav, you mentioned about Leicester right at the top of the show. United have had this tendency of losing important games and, you know, losing semi-final was a big thing until this final of losing in a one-legged tie. And yes, in our first two-legged semi-final, we've won that and gone through. But now you come to a one-leg knockout fixture and our record in crunch one-tie knockout fixtures has not been that good in recent years. So, for a change, Ayush, uh, you are going to answer one of our questions. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, so in fact, there are two questions. First question is whether you think Kavani will start as a striker or it will be Rashford and Greenwood. Uh, you understand that. That is right wing and striker. That is one question. And the second question is, Villarreal ended up playing a very defensive game at Emirates in the second leg. There is a good possibility that they may repeat that tactic in the final against Manchester United because they know too well that opening up space for United is the worst thing that you can do, especially in such a game. So, do you think that United tend to struggle against sides that do not open up that well? I think... Well, to answer your first question, Cavani is 100% going to start this game. I think Cavani in recent weeks has shown unbelievable form. He's up to 16 goals in all competitions and 10 goals in the Premier League. And this is a player who half uh, halfway point of the season was on two or three goals. Uh, four goals and two assists against Roma in the two legs. And he scored in every single, well, more or less every single Premier League game he's played in, in recent times, of course, that unbelievable 40-yard strike against Fulham is something which I'm never going to stop mentioning, even though it should not have stood. Um, and moving to the Villarreal, I think United have had problems with a low block in the past. But if recent weeks suggest uh, that they don't have that problem anymore, and I think the main factor for that comes from having Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandes in the side. They've tried to find a way to get Paul Pogba in the side without having that much of a defensive requirement. So not putting him in a midfield too, putting him on the wing side so that he doesn't have as much defensive role as he would have had in a midfield too. Um, and having two creators in the side and a poacher like Cavani and plus minus Marcus Rashford, who's on 21 goals this season, and Mason Greenwood, who again is a beautiful finisher of the ball, has definitely helped us in scoring. And I think... There are very few games in recent times where we haven't scored. I think we can obviously talk about the number of goalless draws we had in mid-season against Chelsea, against Liverpool, against Leeds, a one-all draw against West Brom. A lot of games like that. But those were games where Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandes were not starting together. Because they managed to put Paul Pogba on the left-hand side, it opens up 
much more play because you've got two world-class creators there creating chances for you, which has made a significant difference. And I do not think a Villarreal sitting back will cause us as much problems as it did cause Arsenal. I definitely see us scoring a goal in the game. But on the flip side, I definitely see us conceding a goal in this game as well, as we have seen in the past few weeks. But thank you for asking me questions. I do love answering it. It doesn't work a lot the other way around, does it? But um, with that, we move to our final section, which is, of course, our beloved, the Paul the Octopus section. Only two games this this week, guys. Only two games left. Only two the games. The final Paul the Octopus, isn't it? The final Paul the Octopus section. Yes, it's quite sad how Bhargav, you came up with this idea and it's been really interesting in recent times, but sadly, everything does come to an end. Uh, we start off with the Europa final because that's coming first. Uh, Manchester United versus Villarreal. Let's start with Hari. Hari, what do you think is happening in this game? Well, uh, United win the Europa League and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer gets a trophy. I'm going with a 2-1 win for United. A 2-1 win. He's going for my side. Bhargav, as a City fan, are you going for a United win or not? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no, I, I I generally think that, you know, given the, the tone of uh, underdogs winning it, uh, Villarreal are, of course, no underdogs, all respect to them. And I certainly think that Emery's experience of winning Europa Leagues will come in handy here, which is why I'm going for a 2-1 Villarreal win. Uh, but, of course, in extra time, I don't expect this match to be finished in the normal uh, duration of the encounter. I feel it will stretch to the 120-minute mark. And Villarreal will secure a 2-1 result and win the Europa League. Interesting. Obviously, you're not going to go with United. And we'll see that from my side when we predict the next game. But I'm going to go for um, a 3-1 win to United. It's not going to be comfortable. As a matter of fact, I see it being 2-1, like Hari said, until the last minute when things start to open up and United get that final goal and close off the game with 5 or 10 minutes to go. So I'm going 3-1. I'm backing my boys. But now we move to a very interesting game for our two regular residents, the Champions League final, which we have so brilliantly tactically analyzed before on the on the podcast. Um, let's start with Hari again. Hari, Manchester City versus Chelsea. Of course, your side is in it, have beaten Chelsea in the last, sorry, have beaten City in the last two visits. What are we going for, Hari? Well, uh, this has been a Positive second half of the season for us, but not so positive about the final because of the chances that we miss. And I'm actually predicting a one-sided game and I'm giving a 3-1 win for City. For the simple oh, wow. reason that Pep Guardiola is someone who does not lose finals that well. And it may be the first time in ages that a side which is playing its first Champions League final will go on to win it. I just feel that, you know, there's a lot riding on this game. Obviously, and I don't think it's going to be it's going to be free flowing football. But ironically, it's the, the nerves are going to catch on so much that I don't think it is going to be that pretty to look at because of you know obviously what's at stake. So I'm going for a repeat of the 2019 Carabao Cup final between Chelsea and City <laughs> that ended nil nil, and it went into oh, a penalty dear. shootout, oh, which dear. was won by City four three. But, uh, you know, I think it's going to be 1-1 in regulation time uh, as well as extra time. And I think we should win it in a penalty shootout. That's you, my feeling. 
Do you also, but I, I hope I'm not jinxing it. <laughs> do you do you also see the Chelsea goalkeeper fighting with Thomas Tuchel to come off? Oh yeah, that happened. <laughs> that did happen. <laughs> and there's a good chance Kepa could start it, this weekend. Exactly. exactly. There's a good chance. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Exactly. Oh, the jokes there about Kepa being the new manager. What a what a what a day. What a day. But uh, Hari decided to not go for his team, um, and so somebody has to, and I will. Um, I would lo- love Chelsea winning this Champions League final. The first and last time you're going to hear me say that, Hari. It's only because of the opponents that I'm saying that. <laughs> Situational but, conspiracies. <laughs> but I am hoping that I'm hoping that Timo Werner can turn clinical for one day in his lifetime. I, but it's going to be a tight one. Obviously, City are going to dominate possession for large parts or lunch chunks of the game. But Chelsea, I think, can have and do have enough to get a result in this game at the end. I'm going to go for a 1-0 Chelsea victory, just like the FA Cup semi-final. And just but like last last season's Champions League. Exactly. Bayern won 1-0. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. And surprisingly, team. when you said about the position, uh, did Chelsea did dominate the position in they India. Did. Not be the they case. did do that. They did do that. 100%. <laughs> but uh, see, the main issue that I have is that uh, if Chelsea do get the first goal, then they have a, uh, you know, a slight chance. But given their recent form, I'm not very confident about them getting the first goal. Especially with such poor finishing. If you see... When you have expected goals higher than your uh, actual goals, then it's not a good statistic to have. And to add to that, you know, I mean, if City are to lose that final and the touch foot that doesn't happen, uh, you can be rest assured that it is going to come against a side that does not dominate possession at all. I mean, it's it's typically a game where City have 70% possession. They've had about 5, 10, I don't know how many number of shots of target. But it's going to be an opposing side who would win it with maybe one shot on target or two shots on target and take home the game. And that has happened yeah. way too many times in my <laughs> career watching the, City. The 1-0 <laughs> result was thought out, Bhargav. Let me be very frank here. But uh, that does bring us to the end of yet another episode. It was a lovely episode where we did something different, tactically analyzing, well, the games to happen, not have already happened. Uh, but we will be back to doing uh, what we normally do next next week when we do talk about um, the Champions League final and the Europa League final. And hopefully we can have two smiles instead of two depressed people <laughs> when we get on the episode next week. Thank you so much to Bhargav and Hari for joining me once again. We have one episode left for the end of the season, which is next week. We're going to have both our regular residents on it. Can't wait for that. But let's... Let's let's see what happens and enjoy the Champions League and the Europa League finals. See you at the same time next week. Bye-bye for now.